Hello world, it's Mike Traverso with the Friends That Code podcast, where I get a chance to showcase some amazing people that I know that just happen to write code for a living. Folks, today I have the pleasure of speaking with someone I met a few years ago at 360 Dev, an Android developer conference held every year out in Denver, Colorado. Uh, she was giving a talk on how to make your Android app snappier with code and device emulator tools. It was a really cool talk, and to this day, there are still a lot of techniques in that talk that every Android developer should know about and use. It is her expertise with Android and her ability to produce Android content, uh, like talks like those, that Google had selected her as a Google developer expert in Android. Now, today's guest is also a community builder. She's been an organizer and region leader of her local Google developer group. She mentors women tech makers across the United States and Canada. She's also an evangelist for women who code, helping the group find speakers, sponsorships, and bringing the group into the spotlight and raising awareness. One thing you may not know about her is her love for electronics, and in particular, pinball. It's this love that I imagine helped her find her way to helping bring the Let's Play Gaming Expo to life. I've heard about this event recently, and it's such a truly fantastic event that next time they're, they're holding it, I want to go. Um, and being a rock star to these great organizations, which in itself is a grind, she also has a full-time job. Um, she's had a bunch of high profile positions as an Android developer. She's recently worked at, on the sneakers app for Nike, um, and now works on the Android app, uh, at stitch fix. So from shoes to clothing above the ankle, one could say that she's definitely moving up. <laughs> <laughs> I, one more thing. I want to say one more thing. Recently, I posed the question on social media about who I should uh, ask to be a guest on the show. Uh, and some replied publicly and some privately, but almost everyone had today's guest on their list. It makes sense given that in addition to her expertise and willingness to help out the community, she's also an incredibly nice person, which explains why so many want to hear from her. Developer, Google developer expert, community organizer, conference speaker, mentor, sneaker fan, and mistress of Android. Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is Stacy Devino. Stacy, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing just fine. Uh... Yeah, I, I was a Google developer expert. Okay. Not well, anymore, but it's not a big deal. <laughs> I guess there's, I'm an emeritus. I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think once an expert, I, you, you, it's not like anything has changed too much. So <laughs> I have gotten smarter, hopefully, but in the process, I'll also become more stupid over time. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm slowly reverting. <laughs> well, you know, and I think, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I know that the Google developer experts aren't just super smart um, and, and super qualified people in the Android community, but they're people who also then spend a lot of time producing content and then going around the country, giving that content, you know, delivering that content. Am I right? Like that's, that's what's really the main criteria is how much content you produce and then deliver on behalf of Google. Well, I mean, it's it's on behalf of yourself at the end of the day. You're not paid, right? right. Uh, yeah, but, exactly, yes. But they do yeah. help out, uh, especially in getting you there um, and okay, cool. supporting various uh, small events, especially ones that wouldn't necessarily have a developer relations person from Google um, or to even 
be kind of in addition to other developer relations folks. Uh, there's a lot of questions that come up and, you know, not everybody's an expert in every area. <laughs> there's, uh, that's one of the really awesome things that I've had in my career uh, with Android for over 10 years at this point. My goodness, it's been a long time. Uh, <laughs> it's quite honestly, I started out in operating system level code and security fixes and eventually moved to just doing uh, pure app development, which quite honestly is easier and it pays more. <laughs> well, back back when you would have started, it probably wasn't as easy because the tools now so much better than oh, they were oh. back in the Eclipse days. So uh, much yeah, like uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were just reminiscing about having to write ant files <laughs> and oh God, no yeah. autocomplete and uh, Eclipse running into our errors. Uh, if you're an Android developer, you will know what that is. Um, and yeah. occasionally that one still pops up, <laughs> though not as often as it used to. Well, even just getting getting Eclipse to download, well, just downloading Eclipse and then getting it configured to, to run it properly, getting an emulator to show up. I mean, like these were massive achievements. And then you're not even <laughs> talking about creating a layout yet. So... <laughs> <laughs> Right. And goodness but, uh, gracious, did the layout uh, layout bases change over time, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. Now you can even see what they look like before you run it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, so, but but no, seriously, the, the folks on the Android Tools team, thank you if you're listening. And you're probably not, but thank you. Uh, I, I hope <laughs> they are listening because that is uh, the biggest leaps and bounds that have happened in the last two or three years is the consistency oh. of the tooling and the amount of tools that are now available. It's it really is an achievement. Oh, stability as well. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I want to get your take now um, on Android development in 2020. You know, there's a whole thing now, modern Android development versus I guess non-modern or ancient Android development, uh, which we were kind of hitting on. But so what, what has you excited um, for the future of Android development? So quite honestly, it is that tooling that we cited earlier. Uh, there's been a lot of tooling added, especially around performance uh, metrics and supporting a wide range of devices. Uh, I can tell you right now that on my desk is a phone that was $50, including a year of service. Okay. <laughs> and I really do target that. Uh, if I know that this works, it works everywhere. And they've enabled a lot better performance tooling. And even more recently with the release of 4.1, uh, at least formal now release of 4.1, there is the way to do pop-outs for all of that individual tooling. It's command line only right now, which uh, if tooling people are watching, finger wag, we need some buttons to do pop-outs <laughs> uh, for all of the, that new performance performance metric tooling, especially around memory management, uh, networking, and more recently, if I remember correctly, uh, now there's a built-in database inspector, uh, real-time yeah. database inspector, which is huge. Cool. Yeah. No longer having to find the database file, pull it out off the phone, and then take a look at it. So, uh, But but you, w one of the things you mentioned, though, you know, targeting these $50 handsets or these $100 handsets and I think, if, please, if they're Android developers listening to this, listen to Stacy's advice there. Don't go and spend $1,000 on the latest Samsung. 
or $500 on the latest Google phone. Like that is the phone you want to use because one, if you can make your app buttery smooth on that, then you're good for those other phones. I mean, and yeah, you can target those other, you can get those other phones to target whatever other technology that they have. But I mean, for most, most apps, like that's what you need to have it work on. So you do, and you never want to, uh, especially since I work in retail, right? Uh, and I can cite previous experience here. Uh, I've been doing primarily retail or something, you know, relatively low performance in terms of uh, expectations, right? We're not, we're doing basic animations, we're loading data, we're doing all of the kind of just simple presentation stuff. Um, although that too can get rather complicated. It's people do spend $500 off of a $50 phone. Like think about that for a second. Like some, uh, and I can bring up a very specific reference in the sneakers app. People buy a $200 plus pair of shoes from a $50 phone. And it's not, you know, just uh, quote people bought in it and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's real people. And that's that's an important thing to remember. Not everybody's going to buy the latest, greatest, fanciest thing because maybe they work in construction. When I worked at Home Depot, we would see the hugest variety of devices and uh, compatibility issues therein, right? Because if you're working construction, does it make sense for you to have a phone that's worth more than a couple hundred bucks? I, right. I would argue probably not, right? And that's that's kind of just the reality of things. Yeah, exactly like you said. So folks, don't go out and buy those big expensive phones, especially if you're just looking for a development um, device. And so I, if you're a manager of an Android team and you've got a developer who says, oh, we need, now it's a new year, we need all the new Samsung devices, let's bring them in. Like, probably don't. So don't, don't let those I, folks- I don't know. I bought, I bought myself a Samsung S20 uh, primarily over some of the other offerings, just so that I had all of the full Samsungness <laughs> that can happen. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, so. yeah. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, like in terms of a in terms of a development phone, like you don't you don't oh, yeah. need to have all of that. That's that's what I'm getting at. Like just echoing what you said earlier. But speaking about Android development, usually, like you know, up until recently, you know, if there, if it was, and especially without 2020 being what it is. I mean, you would have been found around speaking around the world, speaking around the country, um, giving Android talks. But, you know, one of the things you mentioned when we were talking about setting up the show today was, hey, you wanted to put some uh, a spotlight on DroidCon online. And I thought that was so fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, I've got friends who are talking there, Anis, Nitya. Um, and then there's always, <laughs> always there's there's always Chet and, and Roman who, who will be giving a talk. <laughs> Uh, if there's an Android event, you'll find those two folks there. So, so yeah, tell tell us about uh, what's going on at DroidCon this year. That's got you so excited. So, really, it's kind of the variety, right? So, DroidCon is actually next week. DroidCon Americas. They've done a much more converged event. Um, there's more tracks than there usually would be, and the biggest thing for me, honestly, is that the accessibility is there. So, okay. it's pay what you got which means yeah. if you are somebody who is just learning or just interested, honestly, this is something that you can have on the background. Of course, buying a full ticket really does help support this and keep this alive for the future. Um, Greg, who started uh, DroidCon, is a wonderful guy and really been upstanding in my experience uh, with 
DroidCon events uh, and DroidCon at large. And I think this is just one more way to support the community while supporting yourself. And kind of just furthering that, there are more online conferences than there ever has been. And the accessibility has never been higher for content. Oh, so where's where's the excuse, right? We're all stuck at home. You might as well have it playing in the background. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and there really is no excuse this year as to why you couldn't pick up some new things, uh, learning about anything, honestly, because of all these conferences going online. Usually I would have the excuse of, well, I can't get away from work. A lot of the conferences take place in the summertime. So, you know, working on a major league baseball team, I you can't, <laughs> can't get away in the summertime so much. Uh, so but yeah, it's so fantastic. And then they, they, a lot of these conferences, they're, they're not charging what a regular conference ticket would be obviously because it's online. So just fantastic. Uh, you know, and, and special shout out to, to DroidCon and, you know, the folks over at Capital One Tech do some amazing work, especially supporting the women who code organization, uh, by they've, they've run two different events. If you're, if you haven't found your event yet, find it, they're all over meetup. So look out for it and find it. I, and, and I think your passion for this event is, is really fantastic. And I, and I appreciate that, you know, on behalf of the, the community, like just your ability, your, your, your want to shed some light on, on that today. So thank you. But speaking of which, like I said, you're a big supporter of the tech community. And, you know, as a matter of fact, you're, um, so let me kind of list some of these, right? So you're a co-organizer at Google Developer Group Dallas. Uh, you're involved with women tech makers, like I mentioned in the intro. You're an evangelist for women who code. This year, though, you, you were involved in something pretty unique, uh, and that is Southern DevFest. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, my involvement was not necessarily as an organizer this year. Uh, I've publicity squad, right? <laughs> Hitting people yeah, but, up. But, get- but still involved, man. Because, <laughs> yeah, because, but here's the thing if, if someone like you isn't involved promoting it, it doesn't get much traction. I mean, I, I, I know that from experience when you're trying to promote a big event and you're not, you don't have a voice, it, you don't get as big as you want. Right. But so tell me about, just tell me about Southern Dev Fest. Let's, let's talk about this. So, uh, Southern Dev Fest was just this past weekend and you can absolutely watch the three live stream links. I feel bad only because I couldn't watch more than one at once. I only have two. I only have two eyes, one pair, right? Uh, right? But what I really liked, especially this time around, was that there was a whole track dedicated just to career and personal development. That is the biggest change that I've seen across all conferences, all tech conferences, that people really, really desire this content. In fact, actually... Uh, in the past year and a half, that's where I've kind of pivoted. Where is the kind of expertise that I can give that no one else can? Uh, and I look at that from working working with women who code, women tech makers, working locally in my developer group in a larger capacity with conferences. What is the kind of, oh, and also just my career in general, right? So what does it look like having been in Android since its onset? Uh, What are the different capacities that I have been able to function? Uh, And what has made me stand out, honestly? Like, uh, I think I have a fair number of Twitter followers. Of course, you know, I'm not 
going through and trying to get, <laughs> got to catch them all. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, right. it's, it's totally ancillary to the actual work I got to do every day. Somebody does pay me. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, the, your Twitter followers is, is really kind of a mention is it's, it's more, these people just are interested in finding out what you're doing, um, in the work that you're doing. So that it, again, it goes back to what you're saying. Like, it's not necessarily related. You're not trying to go after Twitter followers. These people are just, they hear about what you're doing and they're interested in so much of it. And we're going to get into some of that in a bit, but you mentioned though, that all three of these tracks were recorded. They're also all of them. They're all up on YouTube. So we'll have some links to those, um, in the show notes. But so what, why are you so interested though, in helping out the tech community in your area? Well, is that? I mean, if we look directly, my life would not be the same were it not for community. There's no way that I would have the career progress, um, kind of the network, <laughs> honestly, and, and it built my name, right? Like, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a very small internet star in a very, very small community. Right. Um, it's, it's very niche. Right. But, it, but yeah. ultimately it's, it's one of those things where, okay, were it not for GDG or our group that would become GDG, uh, I would have never gotten my first speaking experience my first and then that would give me the confidence and the knowledge of a conference and that I would go to the conference and then later speak at that conference and become somewhat involved with them and then uh kind of as that progressed move on to bigger things it actually took me a while to develop the confidence to submit to DroidCon uh <laughs> ironically enough I didn't think I was good enough. I think a lot of people run into that same, that same complex, right? And I will never forget, uh, my first tech talk was on RAM disks in Android on init RC and uh, initialization at the kernel level. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? Uh, the, there wasn't many people, but the people <laughs> Who were there were the people who wrote that code. <laughs> so I literally had like maybe 12 people in that talk uh, at a conference, super technical, obviously not going to uh, accumulate a large number of followers on that one. But, you know, once you kind of get through the intimidation factor, it can be a door that opens up a huge number of possibilities. Yeah, so to kind of harken back to one of the things you said earlier about kind of pivoting. So one of the things that I've kind of pivoted away from is kind of talking about so much technical stuff and a little bit more career stuff. And one of the things I tell folks is just like, don't worry. Like people in our profession, we're always seeing these requisition specs for new developers and they're always looking for these like unicorns. And I tell people like, don't <laughs> like, don't worry about if you don't have all the skills they're looking for, if you've got half apply because you never know. And so, you know, to, to that point, I want to get your advice on what, what would you tell folks who are thinking about, they want to get into speaking, uh, you know, they are interested in it, but they don't know, they've never given a talk before. What would you tell them? And, and, and maybe particular women in technology, what would, what would be your advice to getting 
your first talk or submitting to your first talk? So a couple of things, right? What What's your motivation behind it? Like if you, if you look around and you say, oh, there's not any other women tech, uh, tech people that are speaking or that are listed or all these other things being, it takes a lot of courage to be the first one to take that step. Right. And you want to look at the world and be the change you want to be in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say that's one component, but this kind of also goes into the whole job thing, right. Which is the worst that you can ever be told is no. Right. And even at your work, when it comes to new work coming in um, or just getting overwhelmed uh, or feeling like you're overwhelmed with work, especially it's like it's not like work's going to come to your house and kick your dog. Right. Like nobody's going to do that. They're all all that work God, can I do is not. stress <laughs> you out a little bit. Right. right. Um, and and to kind of take that inventory. So in part of that. Uh, taking that inventory of yourself to realize that your problems are the same problems that other people are having and just use that experience. Every time that you are giving a talk, you are sharing an experience. You are telling a story. If the story is, this is how I got into development. These are the roadblocks I hit so that you don't hit them. Or if somebody finds that and gets encouraged because, oh man, I hit that too, right? Yeah. Uh, th those are huge. huge things, right? And the biggest mistake I find with people who are going, I've submitted to speak to like 10 different places. Nobody's ever taken me. Guess, guess what? I get denied too. What up? Hey. <laughs> but uh, twofold, right? So on the first part, you really need to look at and edit what you are sending as your proposal. Uh, the number one thing that I find is that the proposal just, it reads like a factual diagram, right? Like it just, and what you need to do is in those couple paragraphs, it should be no more, is tell the story, right? Why would somebody be interested in this talk? These are the things we're going to talk about. These are some things I did to overcome it. Or if you're talking about a particular library, you know, why why did we choose this? Uh, where could this be used as an application? There's uh, got to be something of your personality to it that kind of brightness, right? And openness is part of it. And then I would say the other part of that is Sometimes you're going to get denied because they already have somebody who's giving that talk or a sponsor who is giving a very similar talk. I had that actually happen at uh, a conference internationally that they really wanted this one talk that I was that I had submitted, but it picked another one, uh, which actually ended up working out really well for me. But uh they said, oh, well, we had XYZ sponsor and they wanted to give a talk on this because they do work in this particular area. I was like, oh, that, well, psh, yeah. that makes sense, right? Um, and it opened up another talk and an opportunity for me that they, that they probably wouldn't normally have on any of their tracks. And that one was related to career development. So it, it's one of those things where like submit not just one submit a few options because it might be that they really they really like you 
but maybe that content just doesn't align. Like submit in a few different things is what I would say. Oh, and you don't have to be an expert in the thing when you submit it. (laughs) Sometimes it can be an opportunity to actually dive deeper into a problem that you encountered and why that thing actually solved it. Yeah. Uh, And if, if, I mean, that, that kind of creates that ticking time bomb uh, solution to it. (laughs) I don't know anything, but I mean, so, so obviously what Stacey's talking about is not like, you know, I have no idea what this is, but something maybe you're just not an expert in yet, but you can, you know, if you, if you work with the code, you work with the libraries, you know, you watch a few videos. So like, those are the kinds of things. And if you're having trouble still getting denied, like look at what other people are posting, because here's a couple of things. The conference organizers are busy. You know, like they have no time to be rewriting somebody else's um, description. So when you look at a conference and you see these are the descriptions of what's that's written by the the speaker. So that's been a copy pasta job right there onto the conference website. So look at those and see, oh, okay, this is what conferences are looking for. And you'll notice, like Stacy said, there's a pattern. They tell a story. Yeah. So so take a look at those. And then, like Stacey said, sometimes it just kind of comes down to the financials. Like, you know, sometimes you may be a little too far out and they don't want to pay for your travels. There's a whole bunch of things, but keep applying. Don't let it get discouraged. And if you truly want to speak a way that 100% get up in front of people and get some practice is tell, you know, find your local meetup group uh, and tell that organizer, I want to give a talk for however many minutes and they would love you because that's however many minutes they don't have to create content for. So (laughs) trust me, they would, if you, you could, you could set up shop there and do your 15 minutes every week or every month, whatever they do. Um, Stacey, you're an organizer. You can attest to that, right? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And we, we really encourage, uh, I I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't spoken at my GDG in a couple of years and it's because we've, tried to nurture this pipeline of new speakers and different content. And it's, it quite honestly, I'm probably going to give my talk somewhere. It's probably going to be recorded. I, I, I don't need it, but if I can spend that same amount of time helping you become better or put together a really solid proposal based off of a talk that you gave or help you edit those slides or help you do these other things to really make your work shine. Um, I think that's actually some of the best things that good managers do, honestly, is they're kind of like this voice of the editor (laughs) for folks, um, encouraging them and, and helping them kind of learn the same skills that they already have. So yes, I'm a GDG manager. (laughs) <laughs> so one of the other groups though that you work with is women who code right you're an evangelist for them and you know what part of that job is to kind of you know put a spotlight on them help them raise funds and i imagine in 2020 namely you know with the coronavirus that's uh, kind of hampered that mission a little bit what can folks do to kind of help support either women who code on a, at a national level or at the local level So what I can really say makes a difference is reaching out. Now, a lot of women who code groups have a lot of empty reach outs (laughs) where they're just like, oh, come to our space. We'll provide space. Okay, that's great sometimes. But honestly, what they're really looking for is like, hey, 
why don't you also have some other folks from your company who can jump in and be mentors? It's really about that continued relationship, not just the hour or two that you spend with somebody in, you know, uh, granted that can make a difference, obviously, but in like a monthly time frame, right? So it's, it's a meet and greet, a hello and goodbye, right? Like, yep. And it's more about those continued relationships. That's the biggest differentiator I find in kind of, especially women and um, diversity uh, folks in every single way, right? We're talking gender, identity, income inequality, whatever it might be, right? Is to have mentors and support because we lack confidence, right? If you don't see somebody who's done it, how do you know that you can do it? Right? Somebody who looks like you, somebody or if you see one you just go, "Oh, well, you know, they're they're special," right? And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of times it's just that they had good mentors. And even if you aren't necessarily somebody who is diverse yourself, I can tell you like one of my greatest uh mentors is a male in his late forties. <laughs> uh, and we talk all the time and yes, he's a middle-class white guy in tech. What am I going to say? <laughs> like, well, but- yeah, I mean, and it's great some, to be the ally, except, you know, sometimes I think you can like, for example, you can offer your, your help, but if it's not necessary or let's not say not necessary, but if it's not needed, uh, because they're, they've got enough mentors, you know, don't, don't kind of be a jerk about it, I guess is the way to go. <laughs> Uh, you know, like support, help support that group in another way. And even if it's not necessarily something that you directly can help as a mentor, you can absolutely, you know, tap on the doors of your HR department, say, Hey, what do we have in terms of junior developers? I'd really love to be able to, uh, maybe attend as an ally or, um, submit that kind of information or, you know, whatever you can do to kind of work with them. Heck, uh, one of the biggest things is like getting swag <laughs> to folks, right? Uh, meetups love swag. Uh, we will happily give away things with your your company logo on it. And we most value, and I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who, you know, has helped with women who code, women tech makers, GDG, we most value people who exude our values, right? Don't just be like, well, you know, we have 40% female developers, but it's only at the junior level, right? Or uh, you have kind of other, yeah, it's, it's, there's a certain amount of introspection. We're not there to solve your diversity problems. We're there to help, you know, bring up folks out of relative obscurity sometimes who have the skills and can make a huge difference. And it's, it's not, it can be about you, but it's not all about you. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it could be a symbiotic relationship, but at the end of the day, I mean, show me the pipeline, show me, show me the Mm -hmm. pipeline. Don't, don't show me the beginning here. Show me where folks can end up, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. Are there, you know, women at the top. Um, and if not, why uh, is it something that this is, this is an initiative you've just started and what, what is going on here? It's not just a women issue, right? Like oh, right. it's, it's everybody. Yes. hundred percent right? agree. Yeah. And, and I hope I, I really, I, I really do hope folks kind of get the message. Um, and I, you know, like I, <laughs> 
you watch, I, like I'll read Twitter and I kind of, you know, I'll see what's going on there. And it's just, I feel so terribly bad for some of the women in tech and listening to some of the things that they have to go through or, or seeing just, you know, someone who, a person of color in tech and listening to what they have to go through. It's just, a lot of it is just so beyond unnecessary, just rude and, and, and nasty sometimes. So. But, uh, it can be. It can be. Some of the some of the Twitter DMs can absolutely be a little bit hilarious, and you have to learn to laugh <laughs> but, off some of that stuff. But I, yeah, I, I'd still go the other way with that. I mean, you shouldn't. Uh, oh yeah. It, but to 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 uh, to making the world a better place, though, I think we all should, you know, and that's the whole point of this podcast, really, is to kind of spread kindness, be be nice to people. Uh, treat people how you would want to be treated. And if that doesn't work for you, treat people how you'd want your mom to be treated. And at the end of the day, if that's the way you do things, like the world would be a lot nicer place. Yeah, this kind of brings up a little uh, tweet I gave a, a while ago where I was just reflecting on so many different meetings I had had in the past where as like the female in the room, right? You're looking at the one other person who comes from like a is, you know, it could be their gender identity. It could be their sexual identity. It could be the other diverse candidate, right? And yeah. you just look across the room, you're like, do we say something? Do we not say something? You can just look at each other's eyes and know, like, uh, you know, in that meeting, right? I have to decide if I'm going to ruin the rest of my week <laughs> or, you know what? And it's just a Tuesday, right? For you, it might yeah. just be a Tuesday meeting. Yeah. And like, it, it's the pick and choose your battle stuff a lot of times, right? Because the line between uh, authoritative and bitch is real small. <laughs> so, you know, well, I that's... Think, yeah, we should all be looking at making things the, done the right way. And I know for some people, and I don't know why, but for some people, it's just something they don't know. And hopefully that they they can be made to kind of see how this would be helpful and more beneficial, I think. So let's, you know, I, I, I want to hope that that's where we're headed at least I'm hopeful. Yeah. Hopeful. And, and actually that's like this whole diversity thing is actually the, one of the big reasons why I joined where I did um, and oh, why okay. I'm currently there. So, you know, just uh, the diversity numbers, are very much in line with what I actually see <laughs> and uh, the folks that I talk to. So, I mean, uh, you can also, you can make the choice sometimes by uh, just, just making the choice. Like uh, yeah. I would say that every time that I've left a company in some way that's spoken to some reason or another, right? Nobody leaves someplace because everything is perfect and fine and dandy. And so uh, not that that's any commentary uh, on more recent stuff, but just just saying that, you know, you don't have to deal with it. If you are being mistreated, there are options for you, especially as somebody in tech or looking to get into tech that mean that you don't need to degrade yourself to move forward. You really don't. 100% agree. There's a lot of opportunity out there. All right. I want to talk about, because like you said, you, you do a lot of volunteer work. You do a lot of organizing in the community. Um, but I know, you, I, I, like I said, I know you're a big sneaker fan as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, so you were working on the sneakers app. 
is it pronounced sneakers? Is that? Yeah, it's sneakers. Okay. It's sneakers. Okay. All right. Cause I, you know, it's, 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 so for folks who are interested, it's, it's the S N K R S app, but it's pronounced sneakers. So if you want to go and type that in, uh, otherwise I imagine you probably get a lot more hits, but it's, it's the app that Nike would use to drop new shoes mm-hmm. um, and among other things, among other things. But I'm a big baseball fan. I grew up a huge Yankee fan. Can't say where I work, <laughs> but I work there. Uh, and it's just, it's fantastic. Um, what, what is that? What was that like? Because that's kind of seems almost like a dream job at first. It, you know what? I think honestly, pictures of my collection part are part of why I got the job. Honestly, I, oh, nice. I came in with a few hundred pair problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and you know, I, I left with a slightly bigger problem, but it, uh, mm. it, you know, hopefully not too bad. I've, I've tried to be uh, pretty good about like uh, conserving and, and not going too haywire. Uh, sometimes with the discount and other things, um, you can, you can go a little crazy sometimes and not edit yourself. Um, but do they, do yeah, they give if, you like a, did they give you coupons for free pairs of like, or free no, drops? No, 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 nothing's, nothing's nothing? free and nothing's free. We never had any huh? special accommodations in terms of, uh, drops or guaranteed product or anything like that ever. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a very important thing. I, I tell people it's, you know, of course there's company discounts just like there is for pretty much all like retailers, right? If you work for a retailer, I would imagine also for uh, baseball, you probably get something right. But that's a huge deal, right? I mean, you start your day, like you're a huge sneaker fan and you, you're working at Nike on the sneakers. That's, that's, it's, that's, that's what, brought me there honestly it was they came knocking with an opportunity to work a dream gig right and uh to this day i'm i'm still a huge fan now uh most importantly the android application uh most recently shipped its uh update with a brand new app um that was almost two years of my life (laughs) are you doing that (laughs) Uh, so yeah, it's, it's new (laughs) if you haven't played with it at all. Um, new how, like from Java to Kotlin or. Oh yeah. Not just, not just Java to Kotlin, but like new, like infrastructure, everything new. (laughs) That was, uh, an insane amount of work, but, uh, also just, it was a really great opportunity to understand, how small small organizations within big companies work, right? So um, I was part of S twenty three NYC, which is the which is the Nike Digital Innovation Studio. Although they do more than just digital, they do uh, some of the physical products as well. Uh, this is all known. Nothing's no <laughs> secrets here. You can you can look this up on Hype Beast and Complex. All right, <laughs> so. Um, but I was also at the time the first, like first or second remote employee, fully remote employee. Everyone else was based in New York. So, um, you know, of course, like kind of the learning curve that comes with remote folk, right? And kind of all the work therein. Um, now, in terms of what I got to work on, I mean, I, I got to touch basically everything in some capacity. So nobody programs in a bubble. Um, everyone has, uh, 
everybody works, you know, somewhat collaboratively, right? Like right. you work on, you might own a particular feature or particular product, but um, other people will, you know, review your code, suggest things, maybe work on integrating a library, uh, helping you with the view stack or whatever it might be. I would also say that some of the biggest benefits to me was that was a huge learning opportunity, not just from the corporate side, but programming as well. I jumped up leaps and bounds because of the people that I was surrounded with. So um, Nike, Mike Nakaminovich, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, actually brought me on. He's a very well-noted uh, Google developer expert for Android. Uh, he also owns uh, and contributes to a number of open source libraries that you probably use, and one of which uh, I will be using again very soon. <laughs> but, uh, and then also just Brian Plummer and uh, Kevin and Alexio Moda, they were just amazing people to work with because there was also a huge difference in, you know, experience levels, right? So, um, a couple of them had only been in it for a couple of years, but they had great tutelage and could absolutely program crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> and working with Mike, working with Brian, I, I got better. I, you know, you think to yourself, okay, well, I can do this. I've been doing this for X number of years. No, there's always opportunity to become a better programmer. Uh, there's no such thing as the most awesome programmer ever. <laughs> so the best thing I would also say is if you think that you're getting to be like near the top of your game, find somebody who's at the tippy top and learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're, if you're the, if you're the top where you're at, you're a big fish in a little pond. Uh, you need to go find a bigger pond. Mm -hmm. And Speaking of that. So you've got, you've got this dream job. You're working with people that you're, that are up in your game. But a lot of folks out there that when they have a job and they, they might be scared to find that new opportunity like you did, um, just cause it's, it's, it's changing jobs is, is kind of a pain and there's a lot of rejection that goes into it. You kind of have to do a lot of it behind your friends and bosses and coworkers backs. None of that is ever fun, but if you had any advice from your recent takeaway from your experience, what would that be? I would say to analyze and don't have misplaced loyalty. Uh, this is something that comes up classically, right? Like uh, a lot of people are just like, oh, I'd be leaving these people behind or, you know, disappointing my friends. Uh, have they been to your house? Have you hung out? Have you done X, Y, Z? Are they really your friend or are they a work friend, right? Are they a professional acquaintance? And uh, if you and your management has done their due diligence and, you know, you find that you're in a place to make that appropriate move, then then do so. And and always prepare like you're going to get fired <laughs> is what I would also say in general. Right. Like <laughs> I'm it's good I advice. Always... It's a terrible way to go through life, but it's good advice. <laughs> It's good advice, right? Because, well, I mean, it also means that you you stop fearing it, right? I yeah. can tell you that every time I got an impromptu meeting scheduled with somebody at like the VP level or senior director level or something like that and was in my management chain in some regard, 
I was just like, well, I guess I'm getting fired today. Did you get a request for a meeting this week? Or <laughs> if not, I think I'm just getting fired. It's okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that the reality is that, of course, never happened. But I, prepare your bus factor. That's a kind of classical thing, right? Like, if if you die tomorrow, what have you done to ensure that your work lives on, Right. And that's really grim, but ultimately, uh, it's an important thing to remember. And it, it's actually one of those things that makes you as an employee more valuable. Because somebody who does that kind of preparation actually ends up submitting much more solid work and ends up being a much better team member in the end because you're communicating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like you said, you're, you've got your go bag. You're ready to go. At any point, I could just pull this ripcord and I'm gone. You know, whether you pull it, I pull it, I'm good. You know, so that's, it's a, it's a, it's a draining way, I guess, mentally to go through it, but, um, it does make a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense and it helps you be prepared. Um, I really want to talk about your, your game collection. I know you're big into games. I know you're big into pinball. What is your favorite game to play pinball or otherwise? Favorite game to play that I own or favorite game to play? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know what? Uh, the two games that get the most playtime, at least at my house, are Total Nuclear Annihilation, uh, okay. which has, of course, the moniker TNA, which is interesting. Uh, but And then also my Ghostbusters uh, machine. Now, I also have uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, World Cup Soccer 94. I've got about uh 12 or 13 pinball machines um going basically from 1963 until uh 2017 so uh we do have some ems actually one of them's being worked on right now by my husband uh which is heatwave which is one of the oldest ones that we've got and uh, that's an electromechanical machine uh we've almost finished a restoration uh from literally a po porch in Oklahoma. It was beat. So we're almost done with painting the cabinet, this almost automotive level car paint job. Wow. Uh, so what? yeah, no, so that's one. And then I've got a number of uh, arcade machines, uh, Tempest to um, like a CPS2 cabinet. And I've even got a, a Sammy shooter, shooter cab. So yeah, uh, got a few cool. other ones as well. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I, I, you know, I'm going to date myself maybe a little bit, but I was a big fan of the Terminator two pinball machine, uh, and the Simpsons one. And I think I'm pretty sure too. Beta there was East a Simpsons or Stern Simpsons? Stern Simpsons. Ah, okay. Uh, and uh, the see, it tripped me up. I did my homework here. I know what I'm talking hey, about. Hey, 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 I, I got to ask. I got to uh, ask. And then I'm, I'm. <laughs> almost positive that at one point there was an Aerosmith machine. There I, is a number of Aerosmith machines. Okay. So See that, I, cause I couldn't find the one that I was talking about. Uh, I've, I've been trying to find it now recently. I want to point this out. You, you obviously, you know what arcade one up is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. They, they're getting into the pinball machine game now. So, well, um, they're getting into what do you the feel, how do you, pinball. Yes. Yeah. But how yeah. do you feel about that? So the thing is, is that like virtual pinball, I think saves real pinball, right? Because okay, cool. people are 
the cost to entry is so high when it comes to pinball, even compared to arcades, arcade machines, you can find an arcade machine for five or 600 bucks. Like you cannot find a functioning beat to heck (laughs) a pinball machine for $500. If they're in pretty bad shape, but yeah, yeah. like the Terminator two Stern machine. That was seven grand last time. Williams. Oh yeah, sorry, William. So that that was seven grand last time I checked. Oh no 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 no. You can you can probably find one for under three thousand, but you know it, it might need a little bit of cosmetic work. But you know, okay, I would expect twenty seven hundred to three thousand um, in good shape. Uh, if it needs a little bit more work, probably like twenty three to twenty five locally. All right, so I got to stop I would looking say. at the. I got to stop looking at the site that I'm looking at then. You're right. <laughs> you're probably looking very high end retail. Um, so it's very like join your local Facebook community and classifieds. Um, check Craigslist. It's it is a swoop game. So it's all about like who you know getting it in. Uh, side note, I'm looking for a good uh, joust cabinet myself. So not the pinball joust, but <laughs> I would love a cocktail um, joust machine. That isn't too grand. That would be that would be lovely. I would love one. Thank you. <laughs> I love those cocktail uh, arcade machines. Those are so cool. Um, they are. They are. I really. Uh, it feels so pinball, classy almost. You know. I don't know why. It does. It's like a dignified way to drink and play games at the table, right? Really does. <laughs> uh, but you're not supposed to. But I mean, come on, we all. Yeah. Uh, now, what I will say is. Uh, that if you're willing to kind of fix them up and do the work yourself and treat it as a learning project, it it doesn't have to be extraordinarily expensive. Uh, my husband and I both uh, buy machines most of the time, non-functional or really bad <laughs> and, and fix them up. And that's what makes it affordable and uh, can actually be profitable. So uh, you know, we didn't start out with the latest, greatest, nicest things. We kind of worked up to it. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, there's kind of, I would say like three groups of people who are in the pinball and arcade stuff. There's kind of like your average Joe who's just done the kind of like workup. There's the enthusiast who has, who does their own work, but you know, they got a little bit of money to spend. They can kind of buy a pricier base machine and then you have the folks who, you know, they're actual millionaires and they buy the latest Jersey Jack, like Supreme Paint and the premium version. And they get three of them new every year and they change them out, you know, every year. Right. So they're they have no problem dropping twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year on their hobby. But if you consider that's cheaper than buying a new sports car, I guess I guess yeah. it's somewhat. Yeah, and it doesn't depreciate quite as much either. So, and you can use it inside. COVID friendly. All right, Stacy. I I know we're kind of shooting for time here, but I, I want to ask you some questions to kind of look back on your career, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no worries. Okay, what has been some of the challenges that you've struggled with coming up as a, de- a as a developer? So really. I would say one is like the limiting factor, right? How hard can you push? I know that I push really hard and it's, it ends up sometimes 
making enemies or in some cases uh, I've had the situation where uh, it actually ends up making somebody else feel like they're inadequate. Even if you try to raise them up, like you just, it's politics too, right? So I don't do politics. I think I've gotten far enough up that I can kind of not play the politics game, but kind of learning, especially in your first few jobs that, Politics isn't necessarily about just always making your boss look good. It's also knowing how the company works and what the company values are and aligning with that. Uh, I think everybody needs to do that. But sometimes you just get a little bit caught up into yourself, especially as somebody who's learning or really ambitious or uh, particularly gifted in certain areas. You can just look and look at things and see the flaws, right? But you don't always necessarily know why they exist or how they happened. And it's and you're not there to embarrass anybody and try to avoid that as much as possible. If you know better, use it as an opportunity to figure out the reasoning. Use it as an opportunity to learn. Uh, and that's kind of like the biggest issues that I ran into, especially in my career. Also, you can change your career. Right. So like my first job was in test and test automation because I graduated in 2009. Uh, Nobody was hiring. (laughs) So I managed to find a job so I could pay my bills. And it was an awful job. I still have, you know, recollections that shake my soul. But uh, I learned how to eat dirt (laughs) and and poop gold is what I would say. A certain (laughs) amount of that is just important. Right. Like uh, you have to be able to to kind of take what you got and make the best of it, because that's going to be the story of your career. That's going to be uh, a certain amount of like, I hate the pay your dues thing. I think it's really wrong that a lot of places uh, post that, especially on job requirements, like must have four years in X. The reality is that you don't need four years to become extraordinarily gifted in your particular area. You just need to be able to showcase that, right? And and be open and be willing to to fail and willing to listen and learn and you know a little bit of uh understanding that not everybody's going to be awesome. That is true. That is true. Um okay, we'll move on to the next one. What's something you wish you knew when you were younger? That you don't always have to win. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. So sometimes it's about helping somebody else win. That's the biggest, biggest thing. Um, And that, like, I still have a competitive streak that can show up kind of nasty uh, sometimes. And that's probably the biggest temperament thing that time has given me is the ability to celebrate the wins of other people, even if it didn't involve me. And that is kind of uh, what's, oh, there was a really good quote around it, but I can't remember it off the top of my head that winning isn't everything. It isn't the only thing. It just is a thing, right? That it's, it's not always important to be about you um, in some way. Exactly. I mean, that's, and that's the purpose of this podcast is really to showcase people, not just for, you know, I, I mean, cause look, we could have had a whole hour conversation about Android 
and it would have been fantastic. How many people would that have helped versus a conversation like the one we're having where it's more, hey, this is how you can help your career get going. These are the things that you can help, you know, get your speaking career going. You know, all these other things that we talked about, like uh, this, I think makes a big difference. And coming from, from you, like that's, that's another thing. When I go back and edit these shows, if I look at the sound waves and I see that my wave is way more, you know, up and downs than the guests, I'm like, oh man, I, I screwed up. And that, it's, it's such a shitty feeling, but you know, that's, that's what it is. You know, so helping, helping other people win, it's a, it's a great thing and it feels good too. Okay. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. What's the one thing that you do, Stacey, to help clear your mind or escape from work? Uh, at least, especially in COVID times, it's been cooking. Uh, and it's kind of been that way in some other areas as well. But um, I've become a baker. And yeah, I noticed on Twitter. I've seen that. <laughs> tell, us about uh, the, tell us about the sandwich uh, bread. Oh, well, that was just uh, what I made this weekend. I made a ham sharp cheddar and uh, like an heirloom ham, like sourdough. Uh, and I put some like red pepper flake and oregano in it. And then I've just been basically cutting off pieces <laughs> and warming it in the microwave uh, for like lunch and stuff. And I love it's that, like, right? oh, the sandwich is already made. <laughs> idea for, for baking right there. Forget, forget just the plain sourdough. You want to make the sandwich in the sourdough. So you've got it for later. That's fantastic. That's fantastic though. And I've seen, you've also have, you've got a lot of other things that you've been baking um, as well. And you, you oh. about them too, which is fantastic. Yeah. I finally figured out how to make ramen eggs <laughs> <laughs> over our uh, break from the public, I guess. Uh, it's, uh, it's been really interesting and it's also uh, extra interesting because you know, uh, I've got a young child now and everybody's always home. And so honestly, having something that is tangible with your hands and uh, yes, of course, I do all the making stuff. That's actually what's all in the background here uh, is like 3D printers and vinyl cutters and gravers and whatever else. Right. But um, finding something that you can share with people and that brings them comfort is actually one of the things that, um, like, I, I think it just ends up being food. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, one of the things I kind of picked up. And what else has there kind of been going on? It's actually been a really nice opportunity to spend a lot more time directly mentoring folks and uh, getting to have those kind of one-on-one -on -one conversations and Very really cool. taking that pivot because I'm not feeling the pressure to be as public. Right. So, um, and, and granted that's pressure. Nobody's put on me. That's pressure I've put on myself and we fail to recognize that so often, right? Like, why am I not achieving X, Y, Z goal? Why am I not, you know, throwing up in everybody's, everybody's feed or whatever? Like, it's not about that. At the end of the day, if nothing else, I think 2020 has made a lot of us have to face the reality of living with ourselves and do we like the person that we are? And can we live with ourselves as we are and accept that? Right. So, um, gosh, I guess that got kind of deep. It started with baking and ended up about ended up being quips. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's a, 
it's really, it's good though, in a way that we've been able to kind of look back and really, you know, if, if you've, if you've been kind of stuck in the house, like you said, like you, I mean, you kind of do have this overwhelming urge to kind of re-examine things because after a while, there's only so much left on Netflix to watch. So you're like, what else to do? So you start, you know, look, look inward a bit. And, and like you said, sometimes you find things you don't like, sometimes you find things you do like, and you focus more on those. So that, that that's great though. That's great. One last question, Stacy. This is a good one. Folks in our profession, we don't get a lot of opportunities to promote ourselves, right? Uh, so here's a chance for some self-promotion. What about yourself are you most proud of, you love the most, something about you that you use to inspire confidence in yourself? So what do I do to inspire confidence in myself? Honestly, sometimes it's having the honesty to take time for myself and not be productive. So that is actually something that, uh, and be know, okay some people with say, it, that, yeah, and be okay with it. Right. Okay. Um, a lot of people say meditation and all of that kind of stuff. And, and honestly, like I got a little kid, he's super cute, like just spending time with him or not even around him, just like messing around on, on the internet sometimes and just being okay with that. Like, oh, wow, two hours just went by and I got nothing done. Like this, uh, that has to be, you have to accept yourself and that ties it back into the other thing. Uh, I will say I, I'm also uh, excited for upcoming DevFest events, uh, DevFest Midwest in December and DevFest Montreal uh, in the next couple of weeks, in addition to DroidCon. And in terms of anything going on with myself, I've got a couple of projects that uh, I'm working with some other notable names, although definitely in the background, hopefully at some point, uh, we'll make that public, but uh, I'm always cooking up something, uh, whether it be food or code or, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, I've also got, uh, I mean, if you do want to follow my food stuff, I'm pretty decent about posting on Instagram. Sometimes I post on uh, the Twitter handle I for it, have for it, which is at cooking code. And then on Instagram, cooking by the code. Uh, I thought that was kind of cute. Um, and so like just being okay to try new things, waste time. And even the tweet I sent out probably right before this event here, just that I've got a bunch of games sitting on the shelf that I haven't played and to be okay with being a little bit guilty about not playing them, but also just face the reality that some things are going to take your time and you, you just need to figure out what's going to have priority for you. Um, and that's actually the biggest thing I would say. I don't need to promote myself. I need to promote you promoting yourself. That, that got really meta, but yeah, but it's, <laughs> but it's great, but it's great. At, I mean, it's great though, to be able to sit and just like, just enjoy yourself. Just that's it. You know, just sit back, relax. And, <laughs> don't enjoy yourself too much. <laughs> yeah, do want to get stuff done, but, but just be able to sit back, relax and not get, uh, too anxious that you're not producing or you're not doing something. So that's always good too. So Stacy, I hope you had some fun hanging out today. I did. I did. This is a nice little break. And, you know, honestly, I was definitely going through some like API hell <laughs> before coming on here. So <laughs> it, at least to like mold that part of my brain for a moment. Nice distraction. And it's good that you're okay with being okay, not doing anything for a little while. Um, so <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. For folks out there that are interested in hearing more from Stacy, you can follow her on Twitter at, at does it pew. Uh, she also just gave you two Instagram accounts. I'll have the links to all of those in the show notes below. Uh, you can also check out all the hard work that both her and her team put together, um, you know, in the Southern dev fest on YouTube. Uh, I'll also have links to all of her talks that she's given at different conferences and then links to, um, the Montreal dev fest and the, what was the other one, Stacy? Midwest. Midwest. There you go. The Midwest. Otherwise known as uh, Midbest, as Dan would put it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and links to all of that will be found in the show notes below. Thanks again, Stacy, and thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're subscribed, I'd love to hear back from you. You can email me at hello at friends.co.com. I'd love to hear some constructive criticism or tell me what kind of guests you'd like to hear from um, in the future. Uh, and with that, tell your friends because next week we'll be back again with another amazing person that I know that just happens to write code. Until then, be <laughs> well, everyone.